Thank you for downloading Tube Flash Tales, original flash fiction inspired by London Underground and vintage and contemporary brooches. If you want to find out more, visit the Tube Flash website, but not before you've listened to this set of Tube Flash Tales. Good service on all lines. Leicester Square. Dramatic Encounters by Mangal Patel Are you a terrorist? A thin voice quizzed. My daddy says to watch out for black-bearded men with heavy rucksacks. The penetrating, wide-eyed stare had so far failed to rouse Faisal from his feigned sleep. His legs crooked even more tightly around his rucksack. No longer able to ignore the little girl fidgeting opposite him, Faisal blinked, fumbled in his pocket, drew out a lollipop and offered it. Here, take. My daddy says not to take sweets from strangers. Are you a pedo? What's a pedo? said the little girl, now positioned sideways across the arm of a seat, her legs dangling. The woman next to her slept on, but the man with the red full lips gave Faisal a slow, knowing wink. The other passengers pretended oblivion. What have you got in your bag? Is it a hacked up body? My daddy says children get kidnapped. Are you a kidnapper? The whole carriage, now silently alert, continued their feigned concentration in newspapers, iPods and whatnots. Faisal could feel their furtive looks on him. His heart hammered. His forehead throbbed. Sweat gathered at the end of his nose. My daddy says... Thankfully, the announcement of arrival at the station drowned out the rest of the Inquisition. Faisal grabbed his rucksack and pounded out of the opening doors. Three hours later, the rucksack lay empty, strewn across the floor. Faisal stood silently in the darkness behind closed curtains. Breathing deeply, he prepared for the next nerve-wracking moment. The curtains drew open. The little girl and the man with the red full lips peered back at Faisal in a battered top hat. The opening scene of Oliver. Bow Road. Silent Greeting by Sandra Uniman. He saw her inside the station with a golden ribbon in her hair. He swept her a bow. She curtsied in acknowledgement. Every day they passed one another in the same place. He bowed. She curtsied, but they never spoke. They shared nothing but a smile. At an antique fair one day, he found a brooch, a little gold bow, and thought how good it would look on the collar of her coat. The next day, he bowed even more elaborately than usual and held out the brooch to her. She shook her head, lost her smile and forgot to curtsy. So the day after, he wore the brooch himself on his fedora hat and ignored the stares of passers-by. 
This time when he bowed, she laughed and her curtsy was deeper than ever. Next day he wore the brooch again and she wore a tie pin in the shape of an arrow. Instead of a curtsy, she bowed back to him, took off the pin and held it out. Now it was his turn to shake his head. Every day they met and never spoke. He wore the brooch and she wore the pin. He did not see the man who jostled into him and made him stumble. Before he could recover his balance, the thief snatched the hat with the brooch and ran off with it. She saw it happen and gave chase. She caught up with the thief and hit him with her handbag. She came back towards the station with the hat on her head and the brooch in her hand. She took off the tie pin and held them both out. He took the pin. She put the brooch on her collar and they kissed. Seven Sisters The Enchanted Hornbeams by Moira Knowles Paige Green gave birth to a girl. She held the baby close, promising her the best life any child could have, unaware of her family's impending deception. They wanted a boy who could earn his keep when older. So while she slept, they stole the newborn baby and abandoned her in the wilderness. Paige's grief cut into the hearts of all who heard. She vowed never again to speak to her family or bear another child. She left her village and wandered alone for many years, comforted by the trees in the day and the stars at night. Decades passed and she tired of the nomadic life. In a meadow near a town, Paige planted seven hornbeams in a circle. She sat within and watched the world and her life go by. One morning she was awakened by the cries of a baby girl lying beside her. The baby had black skin and black hair. She looked about her and saw no one else around, so she kept the baby. A month later she awoke to find another. This one had almond eyes and golden skin. Soon after, another arrived, blonde-haired and blue-eyed. Eventually she had seven girls, all perfect and all unique. She raised the babies as her own, as one family. They squabbled, as sisters do, about everything, but loved each other. They grew to be both gifted and beautiful, revered by many men. When they persistently refused all suitors, their mother asked them why. They replied, But don't you see? We want to stay together. So she sent them to live in the sky. The seven sister stars shine forever bright, pursued by an ardent lover destined never to catch them. The seven sister trees are treasured to this day on land called Page Green.
The Exchange by Mary Burton. Deep in his pocket, Marcus twirled the beads of the brooch as he walked towards the Royal Exchange. His thoughts moved to the sensual feel of the beads on his fingertips. And what might happen later? He hoped the brooch would do the trick. It hadn't cost much, but it was the thought that counted. He hadn't really been thinking about her when he bought it. He had actually bought it for that other one. <laughs> what was her name? Julia. They all liked gifts. It was surprising how little you had to spend to make them grateful. He walked through the doors. There she was, sitting with a white wine on the edge of the crowd. She saw him and stood up, and they kissed, slightly awkwardly. A waiter took his drink's order, and Marcus asked about her day. As she talked, Marcus's face demonstrated riveting attention, whilst his mind wandered up the skirt of the girl behind her. <laughs> She blinked back tears and clasped her glass with both hands, her wedding ring clinking against the coolness. I want to tell you something. Smiling, he ignored her. I bought you a present. He put the brooch on the table. Thank you. I want a divorce. He hadn't expected that. But suddenly he realised he had, every day, for the last twenty-odd years of their marriage. Darling, have you met someone else? He paused dramatically. Think of the children. He felt only intense irritation. There was nothing for it. My announcement was that you can get the house redone. I got the wink about my bonus. He'd never intended to throw that in, but it was still cheaper than a divorce. How unsurprising! The tears stopped, he thought as she smiled at him. Oakwood To the Woods Journal of a Journey Intrepidly Taken by Stephanie Bran Mud, mud everywhere. Even now, as I set down the tale, my stained notebook sheds crumbled earth which lodges between the keys of my mac. We crossed Bramley Road and entered a wild place. Within sight of the tube station, we glimpsed the scut of a rabbit disappearing amongst frozen molehills. The air so cold it almost crackled. You shattered the pond ice with your stick. Out of the undergrowth, a magpie bounced like clockwork. First sorrow, 
We lost ourselves in marshy scrubland populated by saplings, the ditches deep and the way unclear. This may be London, but man is not the master here, you said. But surely humans must have harvested the brushwood and the withies into heaps. After ferocious brambles, bogs and swift streams forded, I slipped and fell, my downfall presaged by the squawk of the bright-eyed watching bird. I became an anorak island, lying in a soft mud sea. Cushioned by rucksack, I stared at a steely twig-laced sky. You helped me up. A black and white dog bounded out of the wood, a magpie transmuted by joy, tail wagging, mud splattering. Encrusted already, we didn't care. We passed the hollow doorway of a generous oak, over the threshold a cobweb dangling a withered leaf. Look, an old hedge gone wild. Branches of woven beech regressed to skyward stretching trees. Beneath the babes, a girl and boy, might once have nestled, bedded by leaf-bearing birds. My eye was caught by something silver. Crouching, I examined a solitary frost-encrusted oak leaf, and the sun shone directly into my eyes. A low orb. Heavy gold resting on the horizon. Dusk. We entered the oak wood, wandering crepuscular paths. We arrived at the heart. Now, you said, I will tell you a secret that has never been told. Old Street The Left Eye by Tanya Dane The operation had been a success. The ophthalmologist had shaken her hand. Enjoy your new life, he'd said. Leaving Moorfields, she headed for the Old Street roundabout a vortex that sucked people under and round and out again, blue tubing holding an advert for the latest phone above. On her way, a mother and her scowling son glanced up at her, and instead of features, she saw colour, curdling yellow for the boy, bruised lilac for the mother, colours that brushed from face to body and back again. She blinked, looked up into the dull afternoon light, as if a shard of coloured glass were suspended there. Nothing. A trick of light, she told herself, and shaking her head went on, just as a tall suited man with an open face passed in polished mahogany. A rich, hopeful colour. She stopped. The ophthalmologist had not emphasised any particular side effects. But the next time she closed her right eye, the colours started at once, streaming from a couple of students, 
not only from faces and bodies, but the air around them, as if revealing the secrets of physics. Or of God. It was too much. Shutting her eyes, the colours gradually subsided. What did it all mean? She considered returning to the hospital, but by then the ophthalmologist would be on to the next patient. It was a relief to dip down to where electric lights muted all. Just in case, she kept her eyes on the station floor or the shop windows. And there, projected over metal chairs and counter, bored faces, she saw herself as never before, glowing in pale green, a subtle, lucent jade, and knew then that she was on the verge of something revelatory and important. You've been listening to a Tube Flash production. Good service on all lines. Read by Mena Bonsells, Tim Heffer and Keith Morris. If you enjoyed this download, why not visit the Tube Flash website, www.tubeflash.co.uk, where you'll find more underground tales to download and keep forever entirely free by following the iTunes link.